Hiver. Hiver. Hiver of the big green dragon that sits on your doorstep. Eats little boys. Puppy dog tails. Big fat snakes. Hiver. Take care. Wait. Pull the string. Pull the string. Good afternoon, dear listeners. You are tuned into CJSR FM 88.5, and this is Moving Radio. I'm your host, Christian Zip, and Johnny, won't you please, for the next one half hour, as we take a look at local Canadian and independent cinema. Well, this week is a little bit of a, a leftover show. I had some great extended interviews with a couple of, uh, of fantastic women in film, and they were recently at the Calgary Horror Convention uh, about a week or so ago. The first of which was Jessica Cameron. She's a bit of a, an expat, I guess. She's living in the States right now, and she did a film called Truth or Dare that if you were at the Calgary Horror Con, you saw the very first screening of it. And, uh, and got to find out what it's all about. So here's uh, part two of our conversation this week. We'll be with Jessica Cameron. We also had some leftover conversation with Linnea Quigley. That's right. She, the scream queen of the 80s. It's uh, Savage Streets, if you remember. Night of the Demons she was in. Return of the Living Dead. And of course, you've all seen Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, of course. We speak with her. And on top of that, We also give a little preview to a film that's playing at the Metro Cinema this weekend. It's called Burlesque Assassins. You may remember it from last year. It premiered here in the city at the Edmonton International Film Festival. It's screening again on Friday, August 23rd and Saturday, August 24th. So with some leftovers and a revisiting of an old interview, but it's pertinent because that film is going to be screening again, Burlesque Assassins. It's all that on this week's edition of Moving Radio with me, your host, Christian Zip. But first, let's start it all off with our conversation with Jonathan Jaffe, the director of Burlesque Assassins, which you can catch at the Metro Cinema on Friday, August 23rd, and Saturday, August 24th. Burlesque Assassins follows the adventures of uh, a group of burlesque assassins, burlesque performers turned spies, who are uh, on a Cold War mission to save the world from a, a trio of uh, supervillains. It's an action, comedy, risque, fun project starring burlesque performers from around the world of uh, international fame shot right here in Alberta. Uh, let's get into that a little bit maybe of uh, of the idea of, of, of shooting here. Um, talk a little bit about your background. Are you from Calgary um, and, and maybe why you decided to uh, stick at home and, and shoot this at home? I'm a long-term Calgarian. I've been in film here for 16 years or something like that. This is my first feature and we're a period piece taking place in the 50s, which is difficult for Calgary. Alberta's burlesque scene is just starting out, which makes it a little bit of a, an interesting place to try to do a burlesque film. The support from the Alberta film community was just so great. There was, just, there was no other place I could have done this film the way we did it here. The crew was, it was nuts how much effort they put into this thing. Uh, there was, you know, there were people sleeping on set and they put in crazy hours and uh, went the extra 
hundred miles to make sure this thing got done as, as good as we could possibly do on the budget we had. So, you know, there were a lot of factors working against us in shooting in Alberta because it's really not for a period film. It's not the best location for that period. The crew was more than, uh, more than made up for it. So we ended up with a, a film that we're super proud of. Once won an award and it's uh, been playing all over the world. And we're happy to be going up to Edmonton for the film festival. For for yourself, Jonathan, uh, maybe deciding to stick with this idea of the period piece, do you think that having in the 50s was integral to really reinforcing the feel of this film? Because it might have been easier for you to take it out of that. Why was it so important to stay within that decade? That's a really good question. For, for me, we are making a film for the burlesque community and for the burlesque audience, and that is a heavily retro-themed group. And that can be retro 20s, retro 50s, retro 70s or 80s. I sort of settled in the 50s because I felt like it was a real classic pinup motif that was, if you were going to pick one decade, that was what I thought was going to be the, the best representation. It was important to me, being true to that audience and being true to that core community who's so important to us, to put it in the 50s and to have that look and that feel and that sound. And it allowed us to to overlap jazz and early rock and roll and rockabilly, and it allowed us to have amazing pinup couture and makeup and hair. It excited the crew and excited everyone involved as much as so as much as it was, you know, it, it added to the labor substantially. It also kind of energized people to be working on a period piece in Alberta that wasn't uh, Western. <laughs> so <laughs> we were. It was pretty important to us, though, in the end, and it had to. It had to be true to the. Uh, burlesque pinup style. We had to be some kind of retro, and 50s it was, and it worked out really well. We're speaking with Jonathan Joffe, director of the Burlesque Assassins. Once again, I, uh, I joined Kevin Martin fresh off his trip to Fantasia. Fantasia not being where he went specifically. It was Montreal, but Fantasia is the festival that he went to see and also premiered the final Last video, the last video store. <laughs> wow, dude, wait a, wait a, you had it, you had it. I know, it. I knew it too, it's on a wall, I was the just messing with you. It's the last video it. store. That'll be the video game adaption, we'll switch it up, we'll call it the final video store. But... I follow you on Twitter, I know you people. No, uh, you don't, I don't really write on Twitter that much, but every <laughs> now and then, you'll, you'll see the last video store come up. Yes, it's good to be back in the land of, uh... Pickup trucks and oil and um, cracked windshields. Cracked I've heard windshields yeah. and bad roads and um, a, a losing hockey team and a terrible football team and uh, yes. But hey, my store's here and you're here <laughs> and are you, we got a fine show that we do every few weeks. So yeah, this is why I'm happy I'm back. Oh, and uh, you know my fiance, I think she's happy I'm back too. Yeah. Well, just you know, uh, tell us a little bit about what the experience is like premiering. Uh, the short with House of Heathens, oh. the last video store in Montreal. What was that experience like for you guys? Oh, dude, it was fantastic. At first, the weather was so bad. Our, our movie played at midnight on the, on the opening weekend Friday, and uh, we didn't actually get out of the airport till 10.30 that night. They were almost going to like land us in Halifax. Cause, and we're like, oh, my God, we're going to be drinking at some crap pub in, like, you know, God knows where in the Maritimes while our short's being played. I'm like, yeah, awesome start to the trip. Mm-hmm. But we finally got there. We literally dropped herself a condo and boom off we went and the theater it was playing it held 800 people but i'm thinking you know it's um the, our movie our short was in front of samurai cop you know they're trying to make that this year's mammy connection so i'm like it's probably not gonna be that full but never underestimate the insane crowd at, <laughs> in montreal for fantasia fest that is a professional crowd my friend 
And, um, you know, for a group of guys that we just shot this nine-minute short in my store, they totally treated us like, you know, we were kind of a big deal, which was very flattering, you know. You are kind of a big oh, deal. Oh, baby, you stop that now. So, you know, the photo ops, and they invited us on stage, introduced the short film, and uh, I was hyperventilating. I uh, refused to talk. <laughs> I, I got Tim, our director. I'm like, you're doing all the talking, dude. Usually I'm the guy uh, with a microphone on stage talking, but I'm, I'm way more comfortable doing that if um, it's, we're just presenting a movie. I'm not actually in the movie, you know. But um, no, it was cool. They, they laughed at the right beats, you know. Uh, they loved the monster when that was unveiled. And um, I think it was a great experience <laughs> for all of us. And uh, I think Tim and Cody and the guys, they made some good, uh, made some good connections, hopefully. And um, now it looks like the last video store short is going to be playing at about a half a dozen uh, festivals over the next half a year. So, and uh, hopefully we're going to go right back at it and film the uh, next installment, which may or may not possibly get a sneak peek at Dead Fest in October, the big granddaddy festival mm, for, for us. Yeah. Right, right. But no, it was great. A lot of poutine, uh, met a lot of cool <laughs> cats, and a lot of drank copious amount of... Uh, you know, uh, beer, and um, because as we all know, that's how you get business meetings done. It's not emails from the other side of the country. It's in a pub with a handshake, <laughs> and uh, you know, just bullshit, just 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 talking <laughs> oh, about. You can uh, say that it's okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, you know, just just, just <laughs> shooting the shit basically about yeah. uh, but all the movies that were playing, and then you know, it's just like you try to see as many movies as you can when you're there. But there are so many movies. I mean, yeah. this festival is epic. It's two and a half. It's still going on now. And <laughs> yeah. I've been back for a week. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, so before we get into what the screening is going to be, the Friday, August nice. 9th. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about maybe what some of the things you saw in Montreal that impressed you. Mm. Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, off the top of my head, right away, it was super cool to see a Takashi Miike movie, a new Takashi Miike movie on the big screen. Uh, Lesson of the Evil, it was called. Um, it, it was like Miike's been on a roll with the samurai flicks. Uh, now he's gone back to, you know, fans of like, I'm not going to say Ichi the Killer or Fudo or like that or Audition, but it's an uncomfortable movie. I mean, basically it's about a high school teacher that, you know, everybody loves all the kids, kids love him, but he's told Patrick Bateman, sociopath type of guy. And, um, he is going to meticulously kill his students one at a time. And, you know, as any Mike movie goes, it's a slow burner for the first half. And then the last 30 to 40 minutes, you're just like, what am I watching? You know, it's just bizarre and uncomfortable and hilarious at the same time. All right, so here's part two of our conversation with Jessica Cameron, the director, uh, co-writer, star, producer of Truth or Dare. You can find out more about her and the film at jessicacameron.com, or you can follow her on Twitter at Jessica Cameron or at film Truth or Dare. Here's Jessica as we talk about her role in the film Truth or Dare. Why is it important for you to be taking control on a project like Truth or Dare now instead of solely looking to get cast? You know what? Honestly, a big part of the reason is twofold. The first of that being I feel like there's not enough original horror stories being out there. Uh, so the more I can get my hands on original content, the happier I am. If that makes sense, I, as an actor, I see far too many pretty girl running through the woods screaming head gets chopped off 
you know, so there's not a lot, there's too much repetitious content in the independent world, as well as the studio pictures. So I really have a strong desire to create fresh and new stories and characters and sort of bring them to the horror fans that I know and love. Um, and then secondly as well, you know, when you're an actor, you don't have a lot of control on the end product. So there's been films that I've been involved with that will unfortunately never get finished because the filmmakers sort of lose interest in post-production or they get finished and they're like, darn it, it could have been, you know, we were shooting it, it could have been so much better. You know, I know they have the footage, I don't know why they edited it that way or the music's horrible or somebody didn't do color correction. So taking full reins and really being able to uh, show the world what we can do on an independent level is definitely a large motivator for not only myself, but, you know, the reason why I launched this production company and why I want to produce more really awesome, kick-ass, not only content, but great-looking, great-sounding, professional content, and all of it will get done. I, I learned, unfortunately, that regardless of what the filmmakers tell me, I have no guarantee that the film will get done and, until I see it in the theater. You know, because there's been, I've probably been about, in, I've probably been a part of 20 to 30 projects that to this day have not been finished and or will not get finished. I mean, is that disheartening or do you just kind of look at it as like, you know what, that's work and it's kind of what the system is, unfortunately. Because I looked at your IMDb page and it's very busy, Jessica. <laughs> you look yeah. like, you look like you don't sleep, basically. Well, you know, sleep is something that, sleep is definitely an afterthought. <laughs> Uh, but sleep is overrated. I always say I'll sleep when I'm dead. Um, it it can definitely be disheartening, but I'm the type of person who, rather than being reactive, it makes me proactive. So rather than sitting down and, and being disheartened by it, I sit down and go, cool. So in order to, what do I have to do to make sure the films get done? And everyone came back and said, you have to produce them. And I was like, awesome, I'm going to do that. You know, so so rather than sitting down and, and being upset and bummed out and depressed, I'm just like, screw that. Let's just figure out how to fix the problem rather than, you know, sulking about it. We're speaking on the phone today with Jessica Cameron, actress, uh, writer, director, and producer of the latest film. It's called Truth or Dare. And you're going to be able to find it at the Calgary Horror Con this August, Sunday, uh, Sunday, August 4th, dyslexic. That's what it is. All right, so Jessica, how do you feel about the label of Scream Queen? I am honored and completely privileged by that label. It's something that is very near and dear to my heart um, and is something that I feel is such a wonderful term for women who are actively working within the horror genre. So I'm honored when I get called that. Uh, that being said, I do think that the, the increase of social media has made it so that there's far too many people self-labeling themselves Scream Queens. There's people who they do one no-budget, like, you know, $1,200 horror film, uh, and they, they consider themselves a Scream Queen. So it's definitely something that I greatly respect, and I respect it a lot more when other people use the term rather than people self-label themselves. I mean, I guess uh, it's evolved so to a certain extent, maybe since, you know, we go back and, and we look at things like, you know, maybe even a Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, who at a younger part in her career started taking a lot of more high profile, you know, horror films at that point in time. And they make a lot of money. Um, but it seems like it's kind of morphed a little bit that there's so much diversity within the genre that there's a lot more empowerment for um, women who have been labeled this. Um 
you know, clearly I think that that must be a positive thing. Do you ever worry about getting locked too much into it? Or you're like, whatever I can do to be creative is worthwhile. You know, I think it's whatever whatever I can do to be creative is worthwhile. I don't really care uh, what other people say or think of me. So, you know, if people are like, oh, she's just a scream queen, and they use it derogatory, in my opinion, in a derogatory sense, rather, in my opinion, that's kind of their problem, not mine. I just want to keep working and making great films that have interesting stories that will, you know, reach the fans. So that's kind of my goal. And if people like it, that's cool. If they don't, that's totally fine, too. Uh, you also have indie scream queens, I guess we might call them. I don't know. Just because they're not known by the general public mass audience. Yeah. Devaney Pin, okay, and Heather Dorf are also with you in this film, Truth or Dare. Yeah. Is, is there a certain amount of understanding from other actresses that have to kind of walk in the same shoes you do and, and work in the genre regularly? Uh, you know what? Like, there, there's a great amount of respect. Um, which goes into it, which I'm ever so thankful for. You know, I was lucky enough to, because I'm friends with them, get them involved in Truth or Dare, uh, which was so, so much fun for us. You know, Devaney has done a ton of films, and Heather Dorf is an actress who's so steadily working up in Chicago, um, ironically enough, of all places, although I'm trying to get her to move to L.A. Uh, so hopefully I'll be successful in the next year or two. Uh, that being said, it's there's so much respect for everyone. You know, it's really not... It's not a catty industry that people like to make it out to be. I know, like, when I read, people are always trying to, like, create risks. And I'm sure that there are those highly dramatic individuals. I just keep my distance from them and try to work with the best quality people I can. So certainly those girls fall under that category. And I I think, personally, it's only a matter of time before the world is fully aware of who Heather Dorff is. She's phenomenal. It's one of the things where even my editor is like, are you seeing this? Like, every single take, whether she's in... She's, the camera doesn't even have to be anywhere near her. You, she's just in the background, and she's giving 110%. It's amazing. So it's just a matter of time before, you know, these girls get the recognition that they deserve. All right. There may be some people out there who are, are hearing this for the first time. They uh, they slept on going to the Calgary Horror Con and, and seeing the uh, the test run, I guess it is, on Sunday, August 4th. Jessica, how mm-hmm. else can people connect uh, with yourself or with the film Truth or Dare and learn a little bit more about it, see that Red Band trailer, which is fantastic, and, uh, and you know, learn more about the film? Well, I am probably one of the easiest people to find on social media, if not the absolute easiest, thankfully. So that being said, you can find myself and also the movie Truth or Dare, uh, the movie, on both Facebook and Twitter. Um, so just look for Jessica Cameron or Truth or Dare, and they're going to pop right up. That being said, there is a ton of films called Truth or Dare and shows and web series, so you just want to make sure you're selecting the one that's Jessica Cameron's Truth or Dare. But you'll see all of our advertising and marketing focuses majorly on differentiating ours from all the others. All right, yeah. I mean, even if you get out there, uh, you've got your own website as well on top of that. So there's there's tons of ways to learn more about Jessica Cameron and the film Truth or Dare. Uh, Jessica, it has been an absolute pleasure. We uh, we welcome you back to Canada again. You know, you come back anytime you. you want. It's okay. You know, I would love to. I actually am really excited. I I really want to shoot and produce some Canadian content films. I feel, uh, for those of you who are not aware, Canada has some of the most amazingly talented film cast and crews available in the world. So that's going to be my next goal, 
is to make the world fully aware of just how much we in Canada kick ass. All right, cool. There you go. There you go. Jessica, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate that. We wish you the best of luck uh, with this journey, which is pretty well uh, not even maybe halfway done with Truth or Dare. You got uh, a ways to go, right, until it gets completed, and, and we wish you the best of luck with it. Nothing but success with this. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. All right, here's part two of my conversation with Linnea Quigley as we talk a little bit about conventions, being a scream queen, and a, uh, a thing that is very close to a heart, which is animals, rescuing animals. I know it's strange on this program, but, you know, we like to talk to people who are very passionate about stuff. So here it is, part two of our conversation with Linnea Quigley. Uh, we are speaking on the phone with a horror film legend and uh, legendary actress. Let's even just say that, right? We don't have to qualify with horror film. Linnea Quigley. Linnea, how do you deal with, I guess, that uh, the weight of, of, of kind of like people knowing you for so long and living with you and that image of you and kind of elevating that in your mind. Do you, uh, are you something like you're like, actually, that's what I always wanted? <laughs> well, it is always what I wanted, but it's like I'm very, very shy. And so a lot of times it like takes me by surprise. Like I don't understand why they're paying attention and, you know, like reciting, you know, words from the movies and things like that. I, I get like, wow, this is amazing. They know the script better than I do. So it's, it's like really a really strange feeling. Yeah. Uh, what are you working on right now that uh, that is maybe some passion projects of yours that's coming up that you're really proud and you want to talk about and get out there? Well, the next thing I'm going to do is something that I've wanted to do for a while was a musical horror thing. And the name of it is like this crazy, The Unquenchable Thirst of Four, The Unquenchable Thirst for Bo Nerjus. Jernus, I'm sorry, Bo Jernus. And I've always wanted to do a musical horror film, so that's what's next. After I get back, you know, I go out again and do that, which is going to be really fun. Yeah, that's, I remember, that's the film's name you don't want to mispronounce, right? Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> I, had, I had a hard enough time with the Sorority Babes and the Slime Ball Bolorama. Yeah. And then now this one comes along, I'm like, the unquenchable thirst for <laughs> Bodner Jernus. It's like, what? Uh, well, and then maybe that's part of the fun of it. So you're going to get to sing in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, how... Have you ever had like a great deal of experience with that before? Has that been something you're like, you know what? I've always wanted to be in kind of a bigger musical thing like that. Um, or, or are you a little bit frightened of like, oh my god, I'm going to have to be singing in this thing? It's frightening for me. Well, every every film I go in that way feeling like, but um, I had a band, The Skirt, so I was singing and playing guitar. So I've had experience and recording and all that stuff, but it's like still. I haven't done that in a few years, so it's like, oh, okay, is my voice going to be up to it? You know, um, am I going to be up to it? You know, you always question yourself, Uh, no matter what. You know, I'm just, maybe I'm an insecure actress. I don't know. 
Hey, that's okay too. You know, it's uh, it, as long as it comes out when you're on the screen, and it clearly does, uh, and people gravitate that uh, towards you because you know, I mean, that's that's why you are the legend you are, Linnea. Oh, you're so sweet. Oh, stop, stop. Uh, you know what? People who love you, or maybe even are just like curious, and for whatever reason, they're maybe like, I think I've heard of her, but I'm not sure. How can people maybe uh, get connected with you if they're not going to be able to show up on August third and fourth down at the Calgary HorrorCon in Calgary, clearly. How else can they get connected with you uh, online and learn a little bit more about you and check out some of your uh, your work? Well, there's Facebook, and then there's um, my website, which is www.linnea-quigley.com, and also the IMDb, whether they can go and see the different movies I've done and go to Netflix and rent some. There's work that you love, and and hopefully that's the state that you're at, and sometimes work that, you know, you've seen probably other people around the business, and they're just like, it is, it, it's a sludge, it's a trudge. They, they maybe don't enjoy doing it as much, right? Yes, they don't. Yeah. They don't do it, and it's like a slap in the face, I think, to a lot of people when some horror icons say, well, I don't like horror. I want to be doing the other. You know, it's like, you know, it's just, you kind of like go, what? You know? You don't respect them as much, I don't think. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, if you haven't earned uh, respect here, I'm not sure how else you're going to get it. Uh, it's been incredibly insightful. Uh, you've been wonderful to talk to. Uh, you know, I don't want to overstay my welcome because I know you got a long day worth of interviews. Uh, have we missed anything, Linnea? Is there something else that you're like, I need to get this out there and I want people to hear about it? Oh, I'm really, really into animal rights, so, and I'm a vegan, so it's like, that's one thing I always like to interject into interviews, is that, you know, just, I'm a huge animal rights activist and vegan. Right. Is there any, like, uh, kind of organization in, in the States or something like that that you're working with right now, or that you volunteer for or something? Well, PETA, and also Last Chance for Animals, I think are the biggest ones. Right, and so maybe just... And the most known. Yeah, and talk with us a little bit about, like, why why so passionate about that issue specifically and what's your connection to uh, to animals? Well, I just, I love animals. I think they're just amazing, and I've always had animals when I've been growing up and things like that, so it's like, I just, they really, they don't have a voice, and they can't, they don't have many rights, they don't have a lot of things, so it's like, I feel like I need to be the voice for them. Right. And a lot of other people are the voice for them, too, yeah. that have spent time in jail for doing things and not testifying against people and, you know, you know, breaking into labs and exposing the horrible research that's been done on them and, you know, really gone out on the line, you know, to do things to help, you know, people know what's going on out there. Because most people are kind of blind about it. They don't. They don't like to see nasty things, so it's like, I just kind of, like, love being part of that. Do you, do you want to talk about your pets at home? Are you yes, a proud, are you a proud mom? Let's talk about of your proud... Course. Let's talk about them. What do, you, what do you got? What do you got? Dogs, cats, what else do you have? Right now, I've only got, because I want to move, so I've got a low number of dogs. I've only got three dogs, and they're all rescues. One's Lua, and she's a Roddy mix. And I've got Mira, which is a Roddy mix, and Gypsy, which is a, I think it's a bulldog and 
hound retriever mix, which has the one black patch over the eye and all white with little black speckles and stuff like that. And they were all rescued before they were euthanized, you know. And in L.A., I would do things like take people in the audience that I screened to the pound and would all go and rescue, you know, the animals before they were euthanized. And, you know, I would get greeting cards from the people that rescued these animals, like with their, you know, paw prints on there. And, and it's just really enjoyable to see that. Because horror fans are really animal lovers, a lot of them. That is definitely true. Uh, I would have to speak up myself, though. I only own one, so you know. <laughs> well, that's—is it a dog or cat? It is a cat, and it was kind Aww. of a rescue one as well. Yeah. Oh, great! That's yeah. terrific. Yeah, yeah. Well, I—I th- I think that's phenomenal too. Uh, you know that, that it's such because some people would just be like, "What, really?" And I'm like, "Of course, that's not—you know—that's not that unusual uh, to be passionate about an issue like that, and to also, you know, uh, be in films where uh, people get eviscerated. It's." okay that's just fantasy it is <laughs> that's but the yeah, fun part but if an animal gets hurt in a film boy they walk out and they get really I mad i know i know that's even more frightening sometimes than seeing a person get hurt Linnea, thank you so much for taking the time you, that was like a total surprise spot on I, I, you are incredibly generous with your time and we really deeply appreciate it here in edmonton that's it for this week's edition of Moving Radio. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter, at Moving Radio. Check out uh, lots of cinematic photos on Instagram, at Moving Radio as well. And if you're listening to CJSR all next week, you're going to be hearing reviews from the Fringe by me. So stay tuned all day long to CJSR. CJSR.